0: Be doing tonight, but none of them are as important as opening your Word. And Lord, I ask you to help us all to be attentive, help us to listen, help us to get something from your Word tonight. And Lord, we know your Word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even asunder the soul and spirit. And Father, I just ask that you'd bless this time. In your precious name I pray, Amen. Amen. Alright, well we find ourselves there in Genesis chapter number 47. And if you look at verse number 27, the Bible says this, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt. Now, right off the bat, if you've been with us as we've been studying the book of Genesis, you might assume that that's Jacob. And we know that's true. Jacob has been called Israel, and that's the name that God gave him. But I want you to notice something, that in verse 27, Israel is not Jacob. The Bible says, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt. But keep reading. It says, in the country of Goshen. Look what it says. And they. That they there is referring back to Israel. It says, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. I'd like you to notice that the Israel mentioned in chapter 27 for the first time in the Bible is not talking about the man Israel. But it's a very special verse because for the first time in Scripture the people, the children are referred to as a nation. Not just a chosen family anymore. Not just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Jacob's children. But for the first time in Scripture they're referred to as a people. They're referred to as Israel. The nation of God the called out nation, the called out people, for the very first time in verse 27 of chapter 47. Very interesting. And I'd like you to notice something. It says, and Israel, look what it says, dwelt in the land of Egypt. Now I don't know about you, but I think that God did not want the first time His people are mentioned in Scripture to be mentioned dwelling in Egypt. You know, I don't know if you you understand Genesis, but since Genesis 11, we met Abraham. And in Genesis 12... We got the Abrahamic Covenant, what we call the Abrahamic Covenant, where God made a promise to Abraham. And God said, I will bless him that bless thee, I will curse him that curse thee, I will make of thee a great nation as the stars in heaven, as the sand in the sea. And He promised him, I'll give you the land of, of Canaan, that's going to be the promised land. Since Genesis chapter number 12. We're in Genesis 47. That means for the last 37 chapters, we have been hearing about God talking about the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, the descendants of Israel, the nation that He's going to give them, the land that He's going to give them, Canaan. For the majority of the book of Genesis, we've been hearing about these people who are going to take this land. And now here we are. The first time they're mentioned in Scripture, and they're mentioned dwelling in Egypt. You think that's what God wanted? Wouldn't you think that God would want them mentioned dwelling in Canaan? Where He promised Abraham they would be? But the Bible says "And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen. Not only that, it mentions Israel as being attached to Egypt. It says, and they had possessions therein. And I think the worst statement about Israel being in Egypt is this. The Bible says, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. You know what that means? That means that in Egypt is where they became a large group of people. And you know what the sad part of that statement is this. That for the first time this people, Israel, God's chosen people, exists on earth as a nation and most of them have never known the land of Canaan most of them have only known the land of Egypt as their home now you gotta understand a few things in the Bible Egypt always represents the world I know we've talked about that before but you need to be refreshed with that Egypt represents the world Canaan or the promised land represents God's will Every time that Abraham and different people went down into Egypt, it represented they were going down into the world. And then when they would come back to Canaan land, it would represent they were coming back to God's will. And I've got to ask this question, why is it that for the last 37 chapters, we've been reading about Israel, the nation of Israel, the promised land, they're going to take this land. And then the first time they're mentioned, we find out that they're in Egypt, and they're dwelling there, they've got possessions there, and they're growing there, multiplying there exceedingly you get asked this question what happened why did it play out that way and I would submit to you that you'll find the answer in verse number twenty eight the Bible says this and Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years so the whole age of Jacob was one hundred and forty and seven years see Jacob was the leader Jacob was the father he was a spiritual leader. And I, w- I would submit to you tonight, you've got to understand this. You know, a great preacher of the past, Lee Roberson, had a quote. He said, everything falls and rises on leadership. Everything. You say, how's my family going to do? Well, it depends how the leadership of the family does. How's my church going to do? It depends how the ch- church leadership does. Well, how's my business going to do? It depends how... Le- everything falls and everything rises on leadership. And we read this verse where Israel, the people are dwelling in Egypt. And we find out in verse 28 why. It says, And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt. See, the leader lived in the land of Egypt. Jacob stayed in the land of Egypt 17 years. So what's the problem with that? Well, here's what you got to understand. Going to Egypt was God's will. Do you remember when we talked about Jacob when he first went down to Egypt as he was traveling down? Do you remember how he stopped in Beersheba in the border of Canaan right before he stepped into Egypt? He said, Hey, hold the wagons. Wait one moment. I'm just going to get out and I'm going to make a sacrifice to God and I'm going to make sure that this is God's will. Do you remember that? Well, there's something interesting you can remember about that because the Bible said, Go back with me to Genesis 46. Look at verse 1. Genesis 46 and verse 1. And you'll find out You know, when when Jacob first went down to Israel, remember he wanted to know that he was in God's will. And God appeared to him. Look at verse 1, Genesis 46.1. It says, And Israel took his journey with all that he had, and came to Beersheba, that's the southern tip of Canaan, and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. Look at verse 2. And God spake unto Israel in the vision of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Notice what God says to him in verse 3. He says, fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Amen. God said, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. You said, why was God going to make of him a great nation in, in Egypt? Well, here's what you got to understand. If they stayed in Canaan, they were going to starve to death. They'd be annihilated. He said, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm going with you to Egypt. That's where I want you to go. I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to assure your lineage in Egypt. But look, read verse 3 again. It says, and he said, I am am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. Look at verse 4. Look what God says to Jacob. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely, look what it says, bring thee up again. Did you catch that? God said to Jacob, hey, I'm going to go down to Egypt with you, but I'm also going to bring you out of Egypt. And here's what I love about a King James Bible. You know, people say, your your King James Bible is so antiquated. But here's what the Bible says, I will surely bring thee up again. See, our King James Bible uses these words, thee, thou, "Thy." And modern translations have got—they got rid of those words, thee, thou, thy, and replaced them with you. They say, "Well, that's more modern." Well, here's what you understand: when our King James Bible was translated in the 1600s, I believe God chose that time to translate it because—and and, and history, people will agree with this—you know, even in the world, the 1600s, that Shakespearean age, was when the English nation was at the pinnacle of its existence. It was the most perfect language. At that time frame. And since then it's done uh, nothing but go down. And what you gotta understand is the King James Bible uses the words thee and thou, and it's more proper than just using you and because here's what you understand. The King James Bible has the words you and and ye in them. But here's what you gotta understand. You in our vocabulary could be singular and plural. You understand what I'm saying? I could say, hey, you over there. Hey, you Augie. And I'm talking about one person but I can also say hey you guys and I'm talking about a lot of people but in the King James Bible you can't do that you and he is always plural when you hear a commandment in the Bible and it says you know go ye into all the world and preach the gospel that's a plural command to all of us because in the King James Bible when God is speaking to an individual he uses the word thou singular do you understand what I'm saying? 1600 English, you is plural, thou is singular. So we know exactly when God is talking to an individual and we know exactly when God is talking to a lot of people. But in your new translations, you don't know exactly when God's talking to a person or to a group. That's why people will say, they'll read the NIV and they'll say, well in the Great Commission when it says, Go ye therefore into all the world and be to your They'll say, he wasn't talking to all of us, he was just talking to the disciples. Well, in our King James, we know that's not true, because if he was talking just individual to individuals, he would have said, Go thee. But he didn't say that. He said, Go ye, meaning plural, meaning everybody. Say, Pastor, why are you making a big deal about this? Because in verse 4, God is speaking to Jacob, and He said, I will go down with thee, individual, into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. God is telling Jacob, you personally are going to go down and come back up, and Joseph shall put his hands upon that eyes. But we've well, we got to ask this question. If God told Jacob, Jacob, I'm taking you down to Egypt, and I'm bringing you back from Egypt, why did Jacob never leave Egypt? Why did Jacob die in Egypt? See, they were only supposed to go down to Egypt for a temporary amount of time. Look there, you're there in Genesis 46, look at Genesis 45, look at verse 5. Genesis 45, I'm sorry, real quickly, go to Genesis 45, look at verse 17, just real quickly. Do you remember when Joseph sent down and Pharaoh sent down for Jacob and, and his family to come up to Egypt? Look at Genesis 45:17. look what it says. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, this do ye, lay your beasts, and go, get you unto the land of Canaan, And take your father and your household, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. So this is Pharaoh telling Joseph to tell his father and his brethren, Hey, come over to Egypt, we'll take care of you. Look at verse 19. Now thou art commanded this do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones, and for your wives, and bring your father, and come. Look at verse 20, look at his instructions. Look what he said. Also, regard not your stuff. For the good of the land of Egypt is yours. Did you catch that? He said, hey, come on over to Egypt. We'll take care of you during the famine. He said, but here's the thing. Regard not your stuff. You know what he's saying? He was saying, don't worry about bringing your stuff. He said, don't, we'll take care of you. No problem. Just come to Egypt. Look at verse 1 of chapter 46. And Israel took his journey. Look what it says. With all that he had. Do you see that? And came to Beersheba. And he went down to Egypt. So in Genesis forty-five twenty, Pharaoh says, Hey, come to Egypt, but don't bring your stuff. Regard not your stuff. We'll take care of you. In Genesis 46 1, Jacob goes to Egypt, but he brings all his stuff. He says, like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Have you ever invited someone over for Thanksgiving? You say, Hey, you know, come on over for Thanksgiving. No, maybe I shouldn't use that no, That was too close. That's going to hurt somebody. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But you ever invite someone over, and you say, Hey, don't worry about it. Know, and they show up, and they got all these bags. And you're thinking, There's a. Are you like moving in or what? You know, I only invite you over for dinner. You know, you, you're packed enough to like stay for a few. You know what I'm saying? But that's what Jacob was doing. Pharaoh said, "Hey, come on, we're in the famine." He said, "Don't worry about your stuff. Leaving Canaan, it's just temporary, right?" Says, so "Regard not your stuff." And here comes Jacob with all his bags, like the in law. You know, it's moving in. What? Your, your mom said she was coming for the weekend. It's been two years. know you think you can tell her it's time to go? Do you see what I'm saying? It was supposed to be a temporary trip. Look at uh, Genesis 45. Look at verse five. Notice what it says. Genesis 45. Look at verse five. Look what it says. Now, therefore, be not grieved. This is Joseph talking to his brethren after he revealed himself to them. It says, now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Look at verse 6. Look what Joseph said. He said, For these two years hath the famine been in the land. Do you remember? The famine was supposed to last for five years. At this point, it's lasted for two years. Look at what it says. For these two years hath the famine been in the land and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. Do you see that? Joseph said, Hey, there are five years left in the famine. Come on down. But look, look at, go back to Genesis 47, look at verse 28 again. How many years are left in the famine? Five years. When Jacob and his family went to Egypt, there was five years left in the famine. They were supposed to come temporarily to survive the famine. Look at verse, uh, uh, G- Genesis 47, look at verse number 28. Look what it says. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt. Look what it says. Seventeen years. How many years were left in the famine? Only five. How long did he stay in Egypt? Seventeen years. And why was he only in Egypt seventeen years? Because he died there. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years. So the whole age of Jacob was in hundred, forty, and seven years. When they got there, the famine only lasted five years. But they stayed, he stayed a total of seventeen years. You know what that means? That was thirteen years too many. At the end of the famine, Jacob should have said, Hey, guys... Let's go back to the promised land. We're done here. But he didn't. He stayed in Egypt. He stayed in the world. But here's what you're going to understand about Jacob. And I know there's kind of a lot of introduction and the, the preaching is going to be like two minutes. Though Jacob lived in Egypt, he knew that he wasn't from Egypt. Look at verse 29. Look what it says. And the triumph drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Look what he said. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. You know what he was saying? He was saying, Hey Joseph, I'm not from Egypt. He said, Don't bury me in Egypt. Look at verse 30. But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt, and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him, and Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. See, Jacob knew he wasn't from Egypt. And when he was getting ready to die, he said, Hey, when I die, don't bury me in Egypt. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm not of this world. He said, take me back to the promised land. Take me back to Canaan land. And I want you to notice a few things. It's very interesting. Do you, I, you know, If you know who Jacob is in the Bible, or if you were with us as we were studying about Jacob, you remember that Jacob has two names he goes by. He goes by the name of Jacob, which is the name that was given to him by his worldly parents. Jacob means the deceiver. Do you remember he was a deceiver? He deceived Isaac, his father, and he lied about different things. Jacob is his worldly name. But if you remember, and I'm not going to have you turn there. But if you remember in Genesis 32, uh, 24 and 28, when the angel of the Lord met with him, and Jacob and the angel of the Lord, which we know is Jesus Christ, they wrestled all night long. You know, actually, let's just go there. We, you know, I, I want you to see it. I, I know I told you we are not going to turn there. But go to Genesis 32. Look at verse 24. I just want you to see it. Genesis 32, look at verse 24. Look what the Bible says. Genesis 32, verse 24. The Bible says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Look what the angel of the Lord says, verse 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince has thou power with God and with men, and has prevailed. Did you notice? God is the one who gave him the name Israel. Here's what you understand. The name Jacob and the name Israel represent two different parts of the same man. Jacob is the old man. Israel is the new man. Remember we were talking about that this morning? When you got saved, there's two people, there's the flesh, there's the old man, then there's that spiritual man. The Bible tells in the book of Revelation that God will give us a name that no man knoweth. He'll give us a new name in heaven. And God had given Jacob this new name. And He said, you used to be known as Jacob. You used to be known as a deceiver. You used to be known as a liar. You used to be known, as greedy, You used to be known. But now you'll be known as Israel. The new man. Two different parts of the same man. And you and I have the same parts. Go back to Genesis 47. You have the old man and you have the new man. And it it's interesting how God refers to him. And changes his name. Look at what it says. Genesis 47. Look at verse 28. It says... And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt. So when he talks about him living in Egypt, what does he call him? Jacob. But in verse twenty-nine, when he's talking about him dying, notice what he calls him. And the time drew nigh that Jacob must die. Is not what he said? That Israel must die. You see that? See, it's just like you and I. When we're in the world, we're in our flesh, Jacob. But when you die, you're not going to be in your flesh. Because when Jacob died, Israel was going to the promised land. You understand what I'm saying? When 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 the flesh, Roger Jimenez, dies, he lives in this world in Egypt. But when this flesh dies, the spiritual man is going to the promised land. You understand what I'm saying? That's the picture there. He says, Jacob lives in Egypt. Jacob lives in the world. Jacob lives in the flesh. But the new man, Israel, when Jacob dies, Israel is going to the promised land. He says, Israel is not of this world. Jacob's of this world. You understand what he's saying? Look at what it says. Jacob versus Israel. Two different people. Represent two different people. And here's what you understand. Jacob lived in Egypt. But that's not where Israel was going when he died. And you've got to ask a couple questions. Jacob was the leader of the nation of Israel. He should have been the one who led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Israel should have been the one don't miss this who stood up And said, hey, we're leaving Egypt, and we're headed for the promised land. He was so wrapped up, and making sure that his funeral went right, Making sure that his body... Do you understand what's going on? Look at verse 29 again. And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called the sons of Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, the hand under thy thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. He's very wrapped up in where he's going to be buried. Does his body have any value? Remember we were talking about this morning? The things of value and the things of no value? Do you think his body, his physical body, has any value at all? Yet he's very interested in where his physical body is buried. Don't bury my body in Egypt, Joseph. I'm better than that. Bury me in Canaan land. And, and, and I, gotta, I gotta ask myself this question. Jacob, Egypt's not good enough to bury you in, but it's good enough for you to raise your children in? Jacob... Israel's not Egypt's not good enough for you to put your body on the ground of Egypt that you've got you you're so wrapped up in things that don't matter and you're gonna let your family be raised in Egypt you're gonna let your family grow up in Egypt you're gonna let your family get attached to Egypt and here's what Things that don't matter, you know. Uh, these these churches that have these Sunday school classes. I've literally, seen, I've seen, I've seen in my life, people are so worried about making church, making sure that all the children in church sit quietly and behave, and that make sure they got the lesson, make sure they learned it. Yet their own kids don't ever know it. The Bible. Yet they never take time to teach their own children the Bible. Yet they never take time to pray with their or read the Bible with their kids or instruct their children or disciple their children. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jacob, stop being so worried about where your corpse is going to be buried. It doesn't matter. Yet yeah, the children of Israel can live forever in Egypt and who cares? He got wrapped up in something that didn't matter. Here's what you guys are saying. This is kind of a sermon for leaders. Jacob was a leader. He should have led them out. Who led the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt because Jacob failed to do his job. Mom, dad, boss, Christian. It's your job to lead your family out of Egypt. And here's what you got to understand. If you don't leave them, someone else will. and you're lucky if it's Moses. You say, well, well, I, I, well Jacob you don't it turned out well, right? It turned out good. I mean, Jacob didn't do it, he failed, but, but Moses came along. yeah, but Moses came along 400 years later. Yeah, but Moses came along after 400 years of murder, after 400 years of slavery, after 400 years of being bound in Egypt, after 400 years of being enslaved to Let me tell you something. You go ahead and you, well, I'm going to make sure that we're in church on Sunday morning and I'm going to make sure that we're... They've been on alcohol, and after your grandchildren have been prostitutes and gang members and and been living in the world and been enslaved by this world and been enslaved by the age of Jacob, you could have solved a whole lot of problems right here. Amen. If you would have just said, you know what, Joseph, thanks for having us. But the famine's over. And as the spiritual leader of this home, I've got to get us back to the Canaan land. But instead he got comfortable. I'm sure he lived a very nice life in, life in Egypt. And he said, Hey Joseph, I'm going to die here. Make sure you don't bury me here. And he condemned the nation of Israel. For the last 37 chapters, all we've heard about is the blessing of Israel. The enlargement of Israel. Going into Canaan land. And when we finally get to them, they're slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Because one leader dropped the ball. Everything falls and rises on leadership. Do you think it's time that maybe you start having Bible time with your family? Do you think it's time that maybe you do turn off that television and say, Hey kids, let's gather around and let's read the Bible every night. And let's pray every night. I don't know where to start. I can't teach them the Bible. Just read it. Just read it. Just read it with your kids. Just pray with them. Hey I we have my wife and I have a Bible time with our children every night four and two years. Explain something. Your family. This church is our brother. Your business. whatever God has put you in charge. You know all of us are leaders to somebody. Say well my children are, are grown. You're still leading. Someone's watching you. My kids are watching you. Hey you better lead them right. You better follow right. Jacob if God's word tells you. You're not dying in Egypt. Don't die in Egypt. Because everything, 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 everything falls and rises on leadership. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Father, I ask that you'd bless this time. Just a few verses we looked at tonight. But Father, I ask that you would bless the sermon. And that you would help everybody, Lord who just realize that they've got, we've got to lead our families. We need a revolution back to the Bible. Father, we need you. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.